you're listening to the Saluki Games Cast. This is episode 35 for January 27, 2023. My name is Justin Young. Joining me as always are OJ Duncan and Alicia Utek. And filling in for us this week is Mario Sanders. Hey, Mario, how are you? I'm doing all right. How's everybody else doing? Surviving. Mm. Hanging in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like that we're... Just barely two weeks into the semester, <laughs> and Alicia's already. It's, I'm, it's I'm just hanging in. <laughs> to be really. fair, I moved last weekend, <laughs> so I'm still catching up on energy from that. It's not quite that time of the semester yet. <laughs> no, but it will be very, very soon. Give, give it two weeks. Give it two weeks. It will be. <laughs> so this is our first real episode, not game of the year episode, back uh, yeah. since. Christmas break. Uh, so how's everyone doing? Like, how have things been? Enjoy your Christmas break. Yeah, yeah. it was chaotic, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's the holidays. Yeah. I, I didn't do anything at all, which was, was a good thing uh, because I had no motivation to do anything at all. But I, <laughs> yeah. So, so it was good in that respect. Lots of relaxing mm-hmm. versus the normal time versus yeah. the normal time when, as we know, you are not taking any classes, you're not mm-hmm. teaching anything. Yeah. So it's yeah. generally fairly relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Other than I've that had... dissertation swinging back and forth <laughs> over your say, head precariously. Yeah. Other than yeah. that month of prelims. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm working on my prospectus now. So. All right. Exciting uh, stuff. Mario, how was your break? Yeah, my break was good. I flew back to the San Francisco Bay Area, was there for a few weeks. So it was nice to be home and. You know, not that I dislike Carbondale, but away from Carbondale for a few mm-hmm. weeks, it was yeah. nice to get away. Yeah. How's, uh, how is San Francisco? It was, I mean, I actually went out to the city more often than I typically would. We had some friends in town visiting, and so, you know, they wanted to do all the tourist stuff. And so, yeah, it was nice mm-hmm. to go out. And there was one day we went to uh, the North Bay, which would be like know, the Marin area. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, there's like an overlook where you can like see this sort of scenic picture of the Bay Bridge. And there was so much fog that day that you could not see like five feet in front of your face. Oh, wow. And so it was like, here it is. Here's the San Francisco <laughs> Bay for all of you to see. And was so, that the day you sent the picture to the yeah, chat? I did. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, just nothing. All you can hear is like the fog horn in the background. It genuinely feels like a horror. <laughs> <laughs> the tall guy in the background is vanishing. <laughs> can't see him in the back of the picture. Um, so for those who aren't from the San Francisco area or don't have a lot of experience, what is the cool thing to do if we visit San Francisco that's not the touristy thing that we know? I would say, I mean, this is maybe cheating, I didn't never really spent all that much time in San Francisco. I was from the East Bay, so I would spend more time in like Oakland and Berkeley. I think going down to Berkeley and walking along like Telegraph, which is like the big street right near uh, the university campus. There's a lot to do. You know, there's a lot of food places. There's uh, Moe's is like this four floor bookstore that you can really like spend a ton of time in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oakland has some great places downtown to sort of walk around. Lake Merritt is really nice to walk around. Um, you know, so yeah, there's a lot to do, but yeah. So I know that's not, that's a little bit of cheating, but <laughs> no, it's sort of taking in the local culture, mm-hmm. like visiting the places that tourists probably aren't headed mm-hmm. to most of the time. Yeah. And I know that was the thing, you know, when they were talking about stuff, you know, understandably they want to go to San Francisco and see 
you know, the Golden Gate Bridge and like the Painted Ladies and Lombard Street and all of that stuff. And it makes sense that they might not be as familiar with these other things that you can do, whereas right. those are the ones that are, you know, internationally famous mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I always find if you live in a fairly big city, it's always cooler the smaller stuff that nobody ever goes and sees, <laughs> and the, you know, the like non-touristy stuff. And it's one yeah. of the things that's kind of nice if you visit a city often you start to learn those things and you start to learn, oh, no, no, don't go there. Don't, don't see that. <laughs> I will say, though, I think sometimes it's real, also really nice to when you've lived somewhere forever and then someone comes along who's visiting and they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to do the tourist thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is a tourist thing, isn't it? <laughs> and then you go and see how excited they are. Like, I've, you know, I grew up in Minnesota 30 minutes from Mall of America. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I talk to people here, and they're like, oh, my gosh, have you been to Mall of America? Have you been to Mall of America? Is it as cool as they say it is? Is mm-hmm. it that? And I'm like, it's just a mall. Yeah. But then you go there with someone, you know, with you. if I have a friend coming and visiting from out of state, and they're all excited, and their enthusiasm's infectious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you see your hometown through a new set of eyes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you have somebody along with you and everything. I've done that before. People have come to Paducah, which is where I'm from. Um, and, you know, well, even just coming here, coming to SIU, and people would find out I'm from Paducah, they'd go, oh, Paducah's really cool. It's got all those <laughs> restaurants and bars downtown. And I'm like, I guess it's Paducah's downtown. <laughs> like, it's definitely cooler than the mall area. I wouldn't go out there, but it's also, you know, it's also not as hip as I feel like people project on it. <laughs> And I think one of the one of the cool things is how if you're from an area, you just, you know, because those things are so normal, you know, there are a lot of tourist things that I don't think I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they were talking about going to Alcatraz and I'm just like, I've never even done that I've <laughs> yeah. there my entire life. Yeah. You know, my brother-in-law uh, organizes swims in the bay from Alcatraz to, you know, the shore mm-hmm. and yeah still never even been to the island even though they do tours and all that sort of stuff and but yeah so it's amazing how those tourist things you don't take advantage of them or you know maybe take them for granted yeah. when you live in a particular area well i mean you saw the rock right that's really all you need yeah. to do <laughs> <laughs> That is Alcatraz, but even cooler because you, know, you have Sean Connery. That's, if you go to Alcatraz today, Sean Connery is most likely not going to be there. I think we can There's guarantee some... he's dead. Hey, I don't know. I don't know where they buried Sean Connery. I'm not making any presumptions. I guarantee you, they didn't bury him there. Um. Speaking of Mall of America, is Camp Camp Snoopy shut down there, right? So it's it changed from Camp Snoopy to Nickelodeon World. Oh, so okay. it was Camp Snoopy until about I'm trying to think because that was one of the few times that we ever did something specifically for my birthday. We went. I want to say it was for my fifth birthday. It might have been even before that. I want to say Camp Snoopy shut down like 2004. Mm-hmm. Um. And then now it's Nickelodeon World. So, yeah, I mean, that's cool. There's a amusement park in the middle of the mall. <laughs> I remember but. that being, like, the only thing that really interested me about the Mall of America when it opened 
is they like had that on TV and they were like, it has a whole amusement park in it. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. Cause I don't care about a mall, <laughs> but like, I, I would like to go to an amusement park. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. of course later, um, that was when, um, it was at the Mall of America where Lex Luger like came over to WCW during the middle of a broadcast and it was like breaking kayfabe and this was all done and during the 90s like wrestling wars. So that was really cool. Yeah. That's my only like <laughs> that's my only uh, connection to the Mall of America. <laughs> well, I love it cuz you know, the Mall of America is the biggest mall in the United States. The second biggest mall in the United States is in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, which was about 15 minutes away from Villanova where I did my master's. Oh. <laughs> so I'm like, I just keep ending up near the big malls. <laughs> well, yeah, and then this one right here in Carbondale. I mean, that's got to be <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know it. <laughs> you need to go to New Jersey next. They just built that big mall out in New Jersey, and mm-hmm. it's like a third full or something. Oh, really? Yeah, it's... It was like meant to challenge the Mall of America. I don't know. They if wish. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be bigger or not, but it has its own amusement park inside of it and all that sort of kind of junk. Um, and it's apparently a huge boondoggle, though. So, um, all right. Well, <laughs> that's how everybody's Justin, doing. Justin, we haven't asked you since last year. How are you? How are you? Well, I mean, in, in fairness, I, I feel like that Mario did ask mm-hmm. how the rest of us were doing. <laughs> so he sort of got halfway there. Uh, I am doing well. Um, glad that the first two weeks are done and over with. And, you know, you start to kind of get into a groove after that, hopefully. That's what I tell myself. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right. Um, but let's get to what we've been playing um, so we had the long break. We talked about some games uh, as part of the Game of the Year podcast. So if you haven't listened to those, go listen to those. We're not going to try to repeat all of that here. But um, Alicia, what have you been playing? So I did get several new Switch games for Christmas and my birthday, which is very fun. Um, mostly what I've been playing, though, has been Sonic Frontiers. Um which I've, I've honestly really enjoyed. So I'm on the final island now, so I'm not quite done with it. But what I found was the first island, a lot of like building the map and kind of the more open world elements really gave no direction, which was frustrating at first. But since I got it, you know, a month after it came out, everybody had walkthroughs already. So I could just Google, like, I'm stuck on this figuring out this map challenge, what do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so once I gave myself permission to Google that stuff, it got mm-hmm. a lot better. And then you get to the second island and suddenly they're actually telling you what you need to do for each map challenge. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> Why was this not the first island? <laughs> but and, and so is it a hot mess? It is not, actually. <laughs> it is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is a really fun game. It's really, I mean... As always with Sonic games, the music slaps. There really is not, I think, a more consistent game franchise in terms of music. Whoa. Whoa. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm just going to say, Final Fantasy has orchestral tours that tour the United States. (laughs) I'm not saying that Final (laughs) Fantasy music isn't also phenomenal. I'm just saying every once in a while, even on Final Fantasy, you hit a song that you're like, eh, skip. Mm. Sonic games, I've never skipped a song. 
Uh, I skipped them all, so I'm, I'm making up for it. That's your problem. You're not giving them a chance. Even Sonic 06 had phenomenal music. Everything else was garbage, but the music was phenomenal. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to Sonic Adventure 2. Live and Learn. Oh, yeah. City Escape. Absolutely. Pumpkin Hill. Those, are, those had some... That was a great soundtrack. Every single one of them bangers. I, I think and that's the best era of sonic soundtracks is the sonic adventure era like that was like yeah we're just doing something crazy we don't care it's the dreamcast we're all <laughs> we're all coked out of our minds as far as i can tell i do think we've got so one of the really great things about sonic frontiers is you get you know one okay rock did multiple songs for it and so when you're going up against the titans you know at the end of the first island you get to go to su- you get to go supersonic Mm-hmm. And have one okay rock playing during that battle, and you're like, "Holy crap! This is like normally final boss level hype." But then, I want to say it's if you beat the game on hard mode, then the I think easy and normal mode, the end credit song is also one okay rock. But if you beat the game on hard mode, I believe the end credit song is actually by Nate Wants to Battle from YouTube, which he's been doing original game songs since probably 2007. Mm -hmm. So it's also really neat to see them bringing in, you know, he's been known for doing Sonic songs for so long among fans. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to see him get to have a song on an official game. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. I feel like Sega's been doing that lately, like sort of going out and getting community people and bringing them in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Sonic Mania, that was that that yeah. was a guy was was named christian whitehead is that his name um sounds right something like that but like he had he had been doing like sonic i think fan games originally and then they mm-hmm. hired him to do the ports to the phone and then from that they were like uh, yeah you can do sonic mania and it's like the best 2d sonic they've made in 20 years and yeah you know it, it seems like sega is is experimenting with that of saying, okay, here's people in the community. Let's bring some of these people in. They're obviously very talented. And there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's very much an exchange. Like Johnny Jolie did, there was a fan group that did a song for the 30th anniversary and they got, then he came and sang it. And there's a group that's doing new episodes of the sad AM cartoon, Mm. which ended on a cliffhanger in the 90s <laughs> and now th- this group of fans is bringing it back to do season three got crush 40 to come and do the opening theme did they get urkel <laughs> <laughs> no i mean they i don't think they've announced i don't think they've announced any voice casts so you never know <laughs> Man, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know what Urkel's doing now. <laughs> I have no idea what he's doing either. <laughs> I think he's still doing voice work. I I would assume so. I think so. He's he's uh, growing pot with Snoop Dogg. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Ur- I had Urkel selling pot uh, last year. I think. I love that you just know that off the top of your head. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I've I feel like that's one of the things that I really enjoy about. I'm just, I'm just imagining, like, how does OJ know that? And now I want to ask the question, OJ, did Urkel sell you pot? No, I, I do not partake, but uh, I saw a lot about it. I'm very tuned into 90s things, and, and it, it, it showed up in some of that. Oh, man. 
But yeah, that's just one of the general things that I really enjoy about the Sonic fandom and community is I feel generally they're pretty open with going back and forth between Sega and fans Mm -hmm. on both sides. So it's really cool to see that still happening in official mediums as well as fans inviting official singers to come and do stuff. Yeah, because... I think that's interesting because Sonic is a franchise that has a diehard fan base and a significant fan base. (laughs) Sorry, Alicia, to say this, but out of proportion with the quality of the games over the years. Like, I will say that fans have generally had problems with the quality of the games <laughs> over the years, but I I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean, like, it is not Mario where every game is a classic or Zelda. Yeah. It, it's not even, like, Castlevania where, like, you know, it yeah. has had its ups and downs, but mm-hmm. there's been some real bangers over the years. The Sonic franchise is very sort of hit and miss, and yeah. been, I feel like it's been more missed than hits over this lifespan, right? Like you don't have to agree with that, but like, I think a lot of people would agree with that. I mean, I will say, yeah, probably like, the, especially the last 10 years have been more misses than hits. And yet I feel like Sonic is bigger than Sonic has ever been. And, you know, just the amount of fandom and everything. And yeah, that has to do with the movies. It has to do with the cartoons. It has to do with the comic books, but just the fact that they can continue to merchandise Sonic when for a lot of little kids, they may have never really played a really good Sonic game until, you know, this year with Sonic Frontiers. Mm-hmm. Like, over the last few years, they haven't had a wealth of riches to pick from. It's not like Pokemon, where there's yeah. a, a pretty good Pokemon game every year or two. Yeah. Um, so it, it really is one of those fandoms that's, you know, if you're Sega, you should be counting your blessings and, like, embracing that fandom as much as possible <laughs> because, you know, they're, in a lot of ways probably keep helping keeping Sega afloat at this point. Oh, absolutely. And it's really cool to see, like, you know, I'm the nerd who follows all the Sonic social media pages as well. And, like, they've, you know, we, we've we joked in recent years about, like, you know, Arby's on Twitter and, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> other companies getting in on, like, the meme game and all that. And it's like the Sonic social media was doing that first. <laughs> and so even beyond... You know, when they listened to the fans about redesigning Sonic for the movie, I think that that was a huge boon for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even going, but even going beyond like sneaking Sonic into the movie, <laughs> they've just always been, or maybe not always, but they've established so strongly being in touch with the fans. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think I've. I think I talked about this during the marketing for Sonic Frontiers, but like seeing how just a complete 180 from when it first started having trailers and we were all like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. And the way that they listened and turned around how they marketed it and Mm -hmm. addressed people's concerns ahead of time. Just honestly, I think that is an excellent example of company fandom relationship yeah yeah i think you're right i mean we've talked about this you and i talked about this right after christmas that 
they really did turn around the marketing of that game in a way that very few games are able to because they started out on such a sour note with those early trailers. Yeah, that game literally was the inverse of Sonic 06. Like Sonic yeah. 06 marketing, we were all so hype, and then the game was a steaming pile of garbage. And then this one, like they started off with the marketing and everyone was like, it's going to be crap. And then the, the way they turned it around and it's a really good game. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen very often. It's usually the no. inverse. It's usually game huge hype and then disappoints. Um, and, you know. And that they broke away from that first impression to get us all hype before yeah. the game even came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, good good on them. Good on them making a good Sonic game mm -hmm. that, you know. And I appreciate the fact that they tried to do something different with the franchise. I think they desperately needed to. Yeah. I think recycling the Sonic Adventure style over and over again wasn't doing them any favors bringing in new fans. Well, and a lot of the recent games have been, you know, just press boost yeah. <laughs> and just go through. And, like, this one they still have boost, but they've said, like, they want this to be the last game with that for a while. They want to move away from mm -hmm. that and get back to more gameplay <laughs> rather than just mash a single button <laughs> so yeah so is this the first a good first sonic game because I, i'm gonna be honest uh, the last time i think i played a sonic game was at my friend's house on their genesis so i've just really not played sonic all that much at all um would this be a good first sonic game to get in or what would you suggest to be a good one because i i'll pledge to play one this year at least one. Ooh. I have a PlayStation 3 and Sonic 06 if you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's content for the website. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say... I think, it, I think that it could be. One of the things that is really wonderful about this game is how it's bringing together a lot of lore from Sonic games over the years. So I, I don't know, in terms of lore and character development it's better if you know the characters if you want a first sonic game i would probably throw back and do like sonic heroes uh, for ps2 which i have mm -hmm. just saying okay <laughs> um that one i think is a really good that gives you a good introduction to a lot of the characters who have really been the foundation of mm -hmm. Sonic since then. I mean, I can catch you up on all the characters. <laughs> There's Big. He's a cat. He <laughs> likes to fish. He's big. <laughs> There's Edgy the Hedgy. Edgy the Hedgy. <laughs> yeah, but I think the really nice thing with Sonic Heroes is you have the four different teams' storylines, so you get the chance to really dive in with each of them. Mm -hmm. Whereas, especially more recent games. You know, for as much of a hot mess as Sonic 06 was, that was really the last one where you got to play as a lot of different characters. Mm -hmm. Since then, it's mostly, it's been like, play as Sonic mm -hmm. the entire game. <laughs> so, so Sonic 06. <laughs> Sonic the last 06. good Sonic. <laughs> Sonic 06. Sonic 06 and a PS3 with your name on it. <laughs> Sonic 06, I will send you a walkthrough that cuts out all the loading screens and has the actual. And I still can't. I, I still cannot even imagine anyone who would make an apology for Elise. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he just needs to experience it for himself. Yeah. As as intended mm-hmm. by the Sonic. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Sonic 06 is proof. Sonic 06 is proof that their number one priority is the music because they put <laughs> 95% of their budget into the music and about 3% into <laughs> the actual gameplay. And there's like 2% missing. <laughs> 2% to pay the voice actors. <laughs> 2% embezzled. That's, that's why Yuji Naka's going to prison. Um, yeah, Sonic Mania is a pretty good game. That's a throwback to the 2D games. Um if you like that style, I think that's enjoyable. Was, um, sorry, I'm sorry. Was it Generations that mixed the 2D and the 3D? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I feel like I've heard good things about Generations. I would say Generations fu- was good. It's fine. When I played it, I, it was not the train wreck that some of the other games mm-hmm. have been. So I, I think if you like Sonic Adventure, it like it's a, it's a good one to pick up and play. Yeah. Alicia's the expert. I'm just telling you my opinion. I would always trust her opinion more, except about whether Sonic's good or not. <laughs> yeah, we finally get to be on a an episode together of, you know, all yeah. Sonic games are good and all Sonic <laughs> games are bad. I never said all Sonic games are good. <laughs> I just said Sonic as a franchise is good. <laughs> and, and I don't think all Sonic games are bad. I, I think there are some decent Sonic games, but... I will take the victory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do think Sonic as a franchise, like going back and playing those 16-bit games, they don't hold up as well as, say, Super Mario World. Yeah. That's my opinion. Um, I think when you go back, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I get why I like this at the time, but playing it now, I'm less, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm less enthralled with it. I think a lot of the 2D games, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's not like like Castlevania Symphony of the Night or even Aria of Sorrow where you can go back and still like really get into it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the 2D games are very much like, okay, this was <laughs> the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, and Sonic was the most 90s. <laughs> and I, I, they feel very much like products of their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I think some other games have not aged quite so quite so harshly and we'll get to one here in a minute another game that i like quite a bit that we're going to talk about whether it's aged badly or not <laughs> yeah um, but all right cool so sonic frontiers may be actually worth your time uh, i would say very worth your time it is a very it is a fun game like i said if on that first island when you give yourself permission to google <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but then once you get past that first island then they start actually telling you what to do <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? Um, that was the big one. We did. My sister and I both got Christ, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core Reunion. Mm-hmm. I haven't played that one yet on the Switch, but I did hang out with her while she was playing it on the PS5 a lot. So it it's it's different. <laughs> okay. I just I can't get over the fact that some of the CGI looks worse than it did in 2007 mm-hmm. when the <laughs> PSP version came out. <laughs> so did they redo the CGI? No, mm. not really. I think they, they did they redo some of like the summons and all that? Yeah, but I don't, uh, I, but I, I haven't I, seen it all, but, but I, I don't think I don't they think really, it was, it was, it's much more of a port than a remake. Yeah. 
other than redoing the voice acting and in some cases worse. So when does it look worse because it's blown up on a big screen versus the PSP? Is that why it's looking worse? Or I, I think it's not even that it... I think part of it is it looks worse because it's blown up on a bigger screen. Part of it is the fact that they didn't market it as a port. They oh, okay. marketed it as a remake. Yeah. And so seeing the PSP animation, you're like... <laughs> Oh, this this is 2023, y'all. We can do better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is a portable system. This is mm-hmm. not even. We're getting the PlayStation Two game. We're mm-hmm. getting a port of a PSP game. Yeah, we're getting mm-hmm. a PSP game ported to PlayStation Five right. and the Switch, and it's just like, oh yeah. man. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I thought it was a like from the ground up <laughs> remake. I didn't know it was a lot of people thought it. That was the way they marketed it. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. And then we started playing mm-hmm. it and we're like, well, that looks <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The the scenes that do look good look really good. Right. There's just not enough of those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think probably part of the confusion too was after the Final Fantasy Seven remake, a lot of mm. people just assumed <laughs> they were gonna be like Okay, we're going to take some of the models and stuff over mm-hmm. from that, and you know, yeah. reuse those and yeah. everything. And yeah, because you they have models from that. You know, mm-hmm. Sephiroth's in it, Zack is in it, Cloud is in it, Aerith mm-hmm. is in it. Like you have the right. <sighs> it's fine. Well, I'm sure I'll have more to say on that after I start actually playing it for mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> but well, we're going to have to have a Final Fantasy off between you and OJ at some point. Who I'm, is more disappointed with their Final Fantasy? <laughs> oh, OJ will win. OJ will win. I don't know if anything will ever be a more extreme experience <laughs> than chaos. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, please, if you've not heard. OJ's rants about Stranger of Paradise <laughs> would have been like June of last year. We did that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's pretty great to go back and listen to. <laughs> All right, um, Mario, what have you been playing? Yeah, so I've recently made the mistake of starting like four different games, and so one of them is inevitably going to get dropped. But um, uh, yesterday, I started up uh, Hi-Fi Rush. People were talking about it. I think you're going to talk about that a, a little bit later, so I'll leave that to you. But Oh, if you played, want to talk about it now, uh, go ahead. I only really played through the first level, but it seemed like a pretty cool game. I'm not much of a rhythm game person, but I think the way that you play through the game, I mean, to open it up and get to hear Lonely Boy by the Black Keys, I was pretty <laughs> excited by that. So, um, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a legendary music video. If you've never seen it, go watch the music video to Lonely Boy. Um, My favorite comment that somebody made on that game was that here you have this rhythm-based game and you have a soundtrack to it that sounds like somebody found their old iPod from from 2004 and they they just made the entire soundtrack from songs that were on that iPod. Okay, for that alone, I want to play it. And they're like, "There's there's no new music from the last 20 years. It's all bands and music from 20 years ago. And they're like, it's so weird. I think the uh, the two bands that I've seen so far are yeah, the Black Keys and Nine Inch Nails. Which oh my god! I don't know the last time they. I've never really listened to them, but I don't know the last time they put out new music. When Lonely Boy is at least like three albums old from the mm-hmm. Black Keys. So yeah, it was like uh, Zwan. Is that their name? 
they're they're on there as well and it's it just at some point when i guess when they announced it they they showed some of the artists and you were just like what <laughs> like, is this game set in like the early 2000s <laughs> is, this, is this a period piece like, it was just and hey I, I i love well, I love more classic, older rock music, uh, but it, it was just such a weird choice with the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And not even necessarily bad, just a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I really like the art style of the game. It feels, I know it's it's not Sega, but it feels sort of a Jet Set Radio in a sense. Absolutely. And so I really like that. Um, it's nice to look at. And it, yeah, like I said, I've had fun with it in the hour or two I played it last night. Um, I started Stray. I got Stray for Christmas. Um, Love a game where you can play as a cat. That sounds great. Uh, And then uh, Yakuza 3. One of us. One of (laughs) us. Uh, (laughs) uh, The Yakuza series might be my favorite game franchise of all time. I, without hesitation, would say both 0 and 2 are probably like in my top five games. Oh, wow. um, so I love the franchise to get back to it has been great. It started Yakuza three, probably, I don't know, two years ago and kind of fell off just cause you know, stuff comes up as it always is. And so I restarted it last week and, um, yeah, that's a, that's a franchise that I, I really love that. Love it. So, um, and then over winter break, it's on game pass. So if you have game pass, I would recommend it. It's, it markets itself as an interactive poem, but it's called A Memoir Blue. It is a mm. beautiful experience. Um, would highly recommend if you have Game Pass. It's like maybe two hours, um, but a really, really beautiful experience that I would highly recommend. I don't think I've heard of that. Um, this interactive poem, so like is it, a, is it sort of like an um, interactive graphic novel like what are you doing there's actually no dialogue in it you sort of move through uh the game it's a story about this woman who's reflecting a lot on like her relationship with her mother and so you go through it and she as she's going through these spaces she's sort of seeing herself as a child um going through um these spaces with her mom uh growing up and her relationship i think you know it seems like she's a very highly skilled like professional swimmer. And so a lot of it, like water plays a big role in how she sort of interacts with it and like how that, like her competitive athletics kind of like how that was um, connected to her mom and, you know, her being a single mom and like whether or not she was there or whether or not she was able to, to show up to, to her meets and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it's just, it's one of those games that for me, had me like reflecting on my own relationship with my mom. And mm-hmm. um, I was definitely in tears by the end of the game. And so, um, you know, had I done a more conventional game of 2023 list, I without a doubt would have had that one on there. So mm-hmm. like I said, definitely a recommend it's like I said, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds really interesting. I, I've heard nothing about that game. So mm-hmm. I always like hearing about those sorts of games that, mm-hmm. You know, are very easy to miss mm-hmm. when they come out. All uh, right. And, and I guess the the last one, I know I'd mentioned it one of the other times I was on here, I have played more of and have gotten through the final floor, the, like, Ascension 20 of Luck Be a Landlord. 
can't recommend that game enough either. <laughs> it's a fun little roguelike, you know, deck builder with the slot machine. And yeah, that's a good time. I've got 15 minutes. We can play around. So, all right, cool. Um, OJ. Uh, so I, I know I've been talking about a lot. Final Fantasy 14. I'm still playing through the main storyline quest. I'm pretty far. I, I think I'm close to the end now. It got dark. Uh, I mean, there's already been, there's always been some dark stuff, but this, this expansion got really, really dark. Uh, which is funny because the expansion before is you were bringing darkness to everything, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then Endwalker got got really dark. Um, it was like you brought the darkness. You knew this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're um, being really heavy-handed here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and but I'm I'm really really enjoying it. Um, I think it's fantastic. They did a, a, a time travel, and then oh, we wiped everybody's memory thing, which I thought was kind of like. Like, you could have come up with something better, but it's fine. Um, so you went into the past, and that had already happened in your timeline, so it's not creating a new timeline. But then the stuff that you did in the past got wiped from their memories because you're with the main villain of the previous game when you're in the past. And they're they're not necessarily friendly to you, but they're not. E- they're they're not the same. There's no chaos. Yeah, there is no. <laughs> what no chaos? What right. has happened with the time travel stuff in Final Fantasy? Right. Well, I mean, Final Fantasy One initially did have time travel, so it's it, been there. But like, they're 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 screwing it up a little bit, in my opinion. It, it seems like they're doing it a lot. A lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. does it feel? You talking about it, and you tell me if it actually feels this way. Does it feel like just a storyline crutch? Mm-hmm. That's that's what it felt like to me. That's what this one felt like to in Final Fantasy fourteen to me. Aren't they doing something similar with sixteen as well? Like they're bringing a lot of like old stuff back in that game, or it's like yeah. meant to be. A, Look at all the stuff that we did over the history of our franchise. I think with like so. at least the summons or something. Yeah, I yeah, think the so. summons are. Uh, um. Which I I'm really excited because I love summons. They're the they're usually the best part of anyone any Final Fantasy game for me. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it seems like to me is that they're they're focusing on like oh here's summons we've done in the past. But I don't know. I I usually prefer the more like modern ones than the the fantasy ones. But I mean I love I love them all. Don't don't get me wrong except for ten. But <laughs> and, and Stranger of Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I and like just bringing the the time travel thing with Stranger of Paradise, um, and just and then this is just like, uh. and then Final Fantasy fifteen kind of had a a time travel weird thing too, and I had I had a lot of problems with fifteen, the second half of it, the first half of fifteen was great, the second half of fifteen was just like they changed the game. Fifteen was the road trip, right? Yeah, yeah, the bro road trip. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was fantastic, but then Noctis is one of the worst characters that was ever in a Final Fantasy, in my opinion. Which is is, is weird because a lot of people are naming their kids Noctis now, based off of that, because uh, Noctis really jumped up in the popular names for kids. Right. Uh, yeah, but he's he's a horrible character. I don't like him. Gladiolus was great. Uh, Pompeo was okay, but like, um, and his name's not coming to me right now. The the one that cooks everything um, was 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 great. Egg. Ignis or something like that? I feel like it starts with an I. Ignis. That's it, yeah. Ignis. Uh, And, uh, but Noctis was just horrible. And the villain was meh. But, 
Um, yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen has really upped its game with the storyline, except for the, oh, we went to the past and then we erased people's memories, and that's why they didn't know you in the last expansion. Mm-hmm. And they thought you were a new person, even though you spent all of this extended time with them in the past. Uh, and almost kind of caused the final days of the universe. Just, uh, just a little. Yeah, you're, you were involved. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but so I'm still happy with it, but the, the time travel thing was a little meh. Especially since you can teleport anywhere in the game that you've been before. So now I can still teleport into the past and interact with these people whose memories have been wiped, but they still won't remember me, right? So that kind of... Mm. That kind of annoyed me. Annoys me. Um, but I've, I played multiple classes now because I my originally my first playthrough way back was just Summoner, and now I've done Gunbreaker, uh, which is really great. Dancer, which is really great. I'm playing Reaper now, which is a really good class. Um, they've done a really good job with all of the classes. I think in making them where they fit into an archetype, but they feel different from each other, right? So um, there's Melee DPS, physical range DPS, magic range DPS, tanks, and healers. Um, and so everyone fits into one of those roles, but they they really feel a lot different. So if you're healing, you're not just healing like mm-hmm. one person. Like some heal through damage that they do, some heal with just like regen, some heal with like shields. So it feels really different with all the characters. Um, and so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Um, for Christmas, I got uh, Windwalker or Legend of Zelda, or is it Windwalker? Wind Waker. Wind Waker. Wind Waker. That's it. Yeah, um, and I played a little bit. Um, I I really like it so far, uh, but I haven't played all the way through it. I never played it originally. What are you playing on? Switch. Okay. Um, for what? Mm-hmm. Is there's there's a I don't think there's a Switch mm-hmm. version of it. Is it a it might be a port. I oh, okay. Or, I don't know. I didn't. I thought they did do. Yeah, because I know they switched for Wii U, but I didn't. Okay. Huh. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh throw no, you're your fine. Trying um, to thought off. I got an actual thing. It might have been like a ROM or something, okay. but I I got an actual thing to put in. Um, and uh, so I like it so far. What I what I played, but again, I didn't play that much. And then I got Dragon's Dogma, uh, Dark Arisen again for the Switch. I played it originally when it first came out. Um, I don't think I had the expansions with it, though. Uh, but it's a game I really, really liked, and I wanted to play again. Because um, I think there's a sequel coming out at some point. Uh, I think there is a sequel yeah. getting worked on. Yeah. Um, so it was a really game. I liked how it felt like an MMO. It was one of the first games that felt like an MMO as a single-player one, which mm-hmm. I really liked. Um, so I played that, um, too, which, again, I really like it. But then I, I forgot how much the uh, like assistants that you have yell at you and just keep on talking all the time. And it's the same stuff over and over again. So it's kind of funny. Uh, and so my, my rant, which playing, this is happening with final fantasy 14. It's happening with dragon's dogma and a lot of other games that are in a fantasy type of medieval setting. Yes. The words ought and not existed. I don't need them in every sentence that ever happened though. <laughs> Using ought not, not, ought not, ought not, ought not. Oh, there's there's not we can do. Oh, should we do ought? Like, I don't, stop using it. I, I will understand I'm in a medieval set setting by looking at things. I don't need to hear those words. Um, and it's the same with like pray and using thee and thou. 
I most games don't use them correctly anyway. Yeah. And it really upsets me when they don't. Like, if you're referring to a king or a queen, you're not going to use the and thou with them. That would be, like, really upsetting. They were the ones who had you used, right? Because you was a plural, and, the like, thou is singular. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, but are you saying thou ought not to? <laughs> <laughs> I will, Ryan's not here. I'll beat you up in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's my, that's a, that what I've been thinking as I've gone through because, oh, like they just use it so much. Nobody uses anything and nothing that much. We don't use that that much. You don't need to figure out ways to include ought and not. Um, so, I think you're absolutely right. Like it's one of those crutches, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm doing medieval or fantasy mm-hmm. literature everybody has to say this constantly mm-hmm. they have to say the or thou yeah. every mm-hmm. few sentences just so that you remember we're in a medieval world mm-hmm. so i'm going to make you all go, it, it, for video game developers listen if you start using ought and not and you keep on using them you're going to go the way of congregate i mean i'm going to put you out of business so, <laughs> <laughs> so i i googled it and there is not a wind waker switch port okay it's something that everyone there. There's been rumors of a of a double release with Wind Waker and Twilight okay. Princess for a couple of years, but there's not an official what port. Is it Skyward Sword that you got? That's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I mean, but okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No. That's sorry. I totally blanked. I was thinking. I, I'm excited to play Wind Waker, but yeah, it was Skyward Sword that I played. Okay. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Just, I, I knew you didn't get a non-existent game. Right. So I, I was knew like, there was I something have it at home. Like I, put, like, I put the little disc in my Switch. I, I, don't know. I know you weren't just lying to us. Yeah. That would be weird. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope it didn't come off like I was. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, no. I was, but I was like, what? Did they like buy some, like, was it pirated? And they made put it on a little Switch thing but okay yeah uh, no scary you have to lick it to make sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was also confused and so when he was asking i was yeah. like he he's right that game doesn't exist i don't think mm-hmm. so what is going on and i yeah. and i was like okay is he talking about the wii u and he's playing all that i was like no oj's not confused <laughs> about a wii u in a, a switch right. yeah um yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do that all the time. It's <laughs> okay. easy with the. It's easy with long running franchises. Yeah. So like, yeah. you mm-hmm. were mentioning Castlevania games earlier. I cannot keep the subtitles of Castlevania mm-hmm. games straight. Those Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. ones and mm-hmm. the um, the DS ones, I cannot mm-hmm. keep their names straight. Yeah. So like, I associate them by which character is there, not by the yeah. actual subtitle. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you were like Ario Sorrow, I'd be like, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Sure. That was one of them, but <laughs> I, I can't tell you exactly which one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I want I want to do a shout out to board games, which Ryan isn't here to talk about this one. We played it in like a board game group, um, but there's a, a game series called Horrified, which in the game. Uh, you and the other players are working together to defeat, in some fashion or another, monsters. And the original Horrified is like classic movie monsters. There's Frankenstein, Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula. Um, I can't remember which specifically the other ones there are. But each of the monsters has a different way that you beat them. Like for Frankenstein and the Bride... Um, you have to teach them humanity. And then once <laughs> once you teach them how to be human, 
then they just kind of leave. You don't actually beat them up, right? And then so you win. Mm-hmm. Dracula, you have to destroy his coffins, and then once you destroy his coffins, you can come and, and kill Dracula. Creature of the Black Lagoon, you have to navigate a boat through, like, a maze, and then once you get it to them, him, then you can defeat him, right? So it's really awesome. And then for Christmas, I got Horrified American Monsters, which has, like, cryptids from the United States in it. Um, it has uh, Jersey Devil... It has Banshee of the Badlands, um, Bigfoot, Mothman. Bigfoot's not a monster. It's <laughs> <laughs> a cryptid, though. Not, not a monster, but a cryptid. Um, and it's, it's a jump up in difficulty from the first one, too. Uh, it's a lot harder, but uh, really, really enjoyed playing it. Nice. Um, that sounds cool. That's interesting. I, I, I bought my nephew for his birthday. His birthday was the... January. <laughs> it was earlier this month. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, uh, you know, it was right after Christmas. So I had to buy him a, a present for it. And I found an Aliens board game, which I think mm-hmm. is the same makers of Horrify. Mm-hmm. And I think they basically just took it and kind of repositioned it and okay. made it around the, mm-hmm. the f- Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Um so that's interesting to hear. Glad glad to hear that you really liked it because yeah. I didn't know really anything about it. Or then I looked mm-hmm. up and it had pretty decent reviews, and I was like, "Well, he'll mm-hmm. probably like this. He likes board games." Yeah, the, the creators also do Disney Villainous. Um, oh, okay. oh, okay. I have I have that, and I mm-hmm. haven't played it yet, but I really want to. Yeah, I actually got some of them for Christmas, but we haven't played them yet. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a couple ones, and that so in those you play as the villains. Uh, and you have a set things that you have to do to win, and you can like interfere with the other villains. Too. Um, do you, do you dance and sing songs like the Disney Channel villains? <laughs> Probably, I will anyway while I'm playing it, whether say, or not I'm supposed to. Are, are you really <laughs> going to tell me that any anyone can play it as Scar from Lion King and not just <laughs> start singing "Be Prepared" uh-huh. at any given moment? Yeah. <laughs> and. No, I will not tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what most of my time is in Final Fantasy fourteen. But and and like I said, this year, this year, I'm not going to say soon, but this year, I'm going to play a Sonic game. All right, well, I'll, make sure, <laughs> I'll make sure we'll make sure that you get an actual good one. <laughs> yeah, Sonic 06. <laughs> I mean, it's the sixth Sonic game. This is right in the title. <laughs> oh man. They wouldn't have been so worried about getting it out for the 15th anniversary. <laughs> my, my favorite detail of that game is that they put out a demo for the Xbox version that's better than the final game that they put out. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I just love that. Like, it's it just, that just tells you what a disaster that game was. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something. Um. All right. Is that it, OJ? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I uh, as Mario, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, Hi-Fi Rush. I played that. That's the new Xbox exclusive that they put out. I guess it's on PC as well. But um, this is uh, Mario did a, a pretty good job of kind of explaining and telling what that game is. It is very much, uh, yes, in the style of the Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio games. Um, it has that cell shaded look. I, I'll say one of the things that it does extremely well is there are sort of open world 3d sections and then there are 2d sections and then there are, um, 
cutscenes that are like sort of in engine, and then there are fully animated cutscenes, and it cuts between all of those completely seamlessly. Like you never really notice. It never feels like a hard cut. It just like moves from one to the next, and so it it really kind of envelops you into the world of the game really well, really early on. Um, you get so speaking of cats, you do get a cat. A companion that's a little robot cat that follows you around and everything but also like one of the first scenes is of the cat licking itself like in front of robots <laughs> while they watch it and are very confused by it and even though it's this robot cat so um it, you know but it, it's just it's a it is a uh, rhythm based game but i'll say one of the things that i think it does very well is that um it sort of forces your commands into the rhythm of the game. So even if you're hitting off on the wrong beat and everything, it sort of holds your input to like make it fall on the beat. Mm. So even if you don't have rhythm, which I don't have rhythm, um, you know, even if you're pretty bad at those sort of games, you can still play this. Who can ask for anything more? I could ask for some rhythm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when you're like off key and everything, you're like, you're hitting it at the wrong beat and everything. You're still able to like actually enjoy the game and like get a good experience out of it. Um, It seemingly uses the like staying on beat more as a bonus than like a requirement. I think that's a good way of doing that. Yeah, I think it's a really smart design choice because I think it makes the game just that much more entertaining and accessible. Um, you know, we talked about... Um, it's, not, it's not like the Guitar Hero when, when you played through the fire and the flames and you <laughs> just failed halfway through and it quits the song on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. There's a, a lot of rhythm games that are really cool if you're really good at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not really good at them, they just kind of stink. You know, the experience stinks for us rhythm challenged people. <laughs> um, and this one works really well. I'm, I'm still fairly early in it, like Mario said he is. Um, but, like, what I've played of it so far makes me want to play more of it. And there, that's not always true of games. And, uh, you know, it, it's got sort of a cheeky humor to it. But I think it kind of works because they just make the main character this complete himbo. Like, he's just an idiot. And uh, so he's sort of endearing because he is so stupid. And so these horrible things are kind of happening to him. But you're like, oh, you're an idiot. You don't mind. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and it's just, it's a good-looking game. It's a great-looking game. Like, you look at it and you go, wow, this is, like, one of the better-looking games I've seen recently. It has a unique style to it. It looks like you're kind of just in this cartoon world and... Um, you know, they've just done a really great job. Yeah, I would say that that's really what drew me in was the the aesthetic of it was, you know, if I had heard that, oh, it's a sort of, you know, beat em up rhythm game, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. And I, you know, would have seen videos of it. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it, that's when I was like, oh, you know, I would, I would check this out. Mm-hmm. And so I downloaded it and played it on, like I said, a little bit of Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And so if you, again, if you have Game Pass, I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, I mean, other than the time to download, it doesn't cost you a thing. (laughs) 
Um, and then over Christmas, we kind of already talked about this on the Game of the Year podcast. I, I played through Stray. Uh, Stray is a fantastic game. Um, OJ had already talked about it on the podcast months back, but uh, I'll just reiterate, like, I, I really enjoyed that game quite a bit. Uh, I understand there are problems with it, and we talked about some of those on the Game of the Year. Um, but I do think that it's a when you take it as the whole and like I've heard a lot of people kind of bash it. And one of the comments is, well, it's not really as much about the cat as I want it to be. And I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's, it's telling a story mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not necessarily the cat story. The cat is our way into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I try not to hold against things what I want them to be <laughs> versus what, you know, the creators are doing with it. Um, the last game I played is Cult of the Lamb. We had kind of talked about this before Christmas break and everything about being really interested in it. Uh, Cult of the Lamb is a, a very little odd game. Um, it is a Zelda game. So the action sequences are very much 2D, a Link to the Past Zelda-style gameplay mixed with a sort of city builder sim. So like you're building your little cult and you're having to assign people like tasks to do, like you go chop wood, you go farm, you do this, you pray all day long. And then like you're given choices along the way. So you can be sort of a benevolent cult leader and do nice things for your followers, or you can sacrifice them to get ahead more quickly. Um, I, I could not bring myself to sacrifice them because they're all little animals, which makes it that much worse. So like, here's a little pig and they're like, you can sacrifice, you know, oinker over here (laughs) to, uh, to make your crops better. And you're like, okay, yeah, I could. But like, also like, you know, he, he looks kind of, he looks kind of like a a dumb little animal and I feel bad. (laughs) Um, you know, and we all know uh, people who have been through uh, some bad experiences with some some cult organizations, mm-hmm. and so I like. I think one of the issues with this game is how it lands with people. I will mm-hmm. say that the game does not take itself particularly serious when it's talking about a cult. It's very much a we're raising demons from the ground and we're having this giant huge battle with demons and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. It's played comically, and certainly um, the experience of the world is very sort of, you know, a comical one. Um, but, you know, I, I can imagine that certainly landing bad for some people based on it, their experiences, but also, like, relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a neat little game. It's fun. Um, you know, I, I think I lost some interest as I went along. So I think it starts off stronger, and then as it went along, it it wasn't compelling enough to keep me super interested in mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, I was seeing a bunch of people playing it on Twitch mm-hmm. just every day. And then in about three weeks, nobody was playing it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not a super long game is my impression. I blew through quite a big chunk of it in a short amount of time. And then it's a whole lot of maintenance. Yeah. You know, it's a whole lot of going back and picking your crops and uh, rebuilding a building that has collapsed or, you know, holding, you have a little temple and you have to go in there and hold like sermons and you have to choose what the sermon is. It's just a lot of that sort of like maintenance. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what wears on people. 
that's what weared on me after a while because I was like, yeah, I kind of like the Zelda gameplay. That's kind of fun. And I kind of like the city builder elements. And if I was just going in there and making some choices about, um, you know, do I want to sacrifice this character or what what sort of edict do I want to put down to my villagers now? That would be more interesting, but just that constant, like, um, minor maintenance just kind of grew old. Um, and, you know, there wasn't enough new, I guess, to compensate for that. So um, if you like those sorts of games, that sounds interesting to you. I think it's, it's a worthy experience, but I would just warn that there may be some downfall on the back end of the game. Um, all right, so let's talk about news. Um, so we'll start off. Ubisoft employees have threatened a strike after the head of Ubisoft, Yves uh, Guimont, yeah, Yves Guimont, uh, said that in a company-wide email that the company had been struggling, but the ball was in the court of the employees. His direct quote: "The ball is in your court." Mm-hmm. Um, whether Ubisoft survives or thrives. I was like, was that unprompted? Like, or was that him responding to something that they said? Or <laughs> like, it just feels so weird to be just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're struggling, but the ball's in your court. <laughs> it seemed to be very much him saying like, hey, whether we survive or not is entirely up to you, whether you make good games. And mm-hmm. we hold no responsibility as the managers of the uh, company. Um, and so he has walked that statement back now after there was quite an uproar from Ubisoft employees who were basically saying, uh, yeah, but it's your choices that got us into this mess. So don't point the finger at us. Um, and also we're not getting compensated to like save your company for you (laughs) or not in, you know, not at the Mm -hmm. level we probably should. So uh, apparently employees have threatened to strike. They've threatened all sorts of different things. And he's backed off those statements and apologized. Uh, But things are not going well at Ubisoft is the big message to take away. Uh, Ubisoft is in a very precarious position, which is sort of difficult to imagine. They're one of the biggest publishers, but obviously they've had some misfires lately Mm -hmm. with some of their games. Um, And I think people have kind of worn tired of the Ubisoft formula, the open world with a million different little uh, tasks to accomplish. And so it feels like, you know, they're going to have to do a reboot of some manner. I know Ubisoft is Assassin's Creed. Is Are they also watchdogs? Yes. Okay. And the Rayman games and the Rabbit games. So, for example, they had the new uh, Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. That was supposed to be one of their big releases at Christmas. That game, my understanding, very much underperformed, uh, despite very positive reviews in general for it. Um, but, you know, I've seen a lot of commentary online about this, and I think this is my experience as well. Ubisoft games just plummet in price a month after a game comes out from ubisoft you can easily find it at half price quite often oh yeah i know the the first mario and rabbits game i have not played it i have it i've got friends who love that game but every time you look on the e-shop it's less than ten dollars mm-hmm. right. it's like it's normal Dang. price is 60 but it's like always on sale mm-hmm. and so 
yeah, when I saw this new one, like I haven't played the first one, but I'm sure I'll probably pick up the second one because, again, how highly my friends have spoken about them. But I'm not going to spend $60 on it when the other one is always on sale for mm. like, you know, a significantly cheaper price, you know, easily more than half off. Yeah, and this is a game featuring Mario. When you look at other first-party Nintendo titles, they never drop below forty dollars. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. forty dollars is them on sale, mm-hmm. and most of them are still selling at full price. You know, Mario Odyssey was you know a first-year launch game. You know, uh, Breath of the Wild you know was at launch. They're still selling that game for sixty dollars new, and you will occasionally find it for forty dollars on sale, like on Black Friday or mm-hmm. something. But that's the sell. The sell is a thirty-three percent drop, whereas, yeah, you that um, that first one you find very commonly on sale for ten dollars or yeah. less. I think the lowest I've seen it is like seven ninety-nine. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, and it's completely worth it. I mean, that mm-hmm. game's worth ten dollars. It's worth more than ten dollars. Mm-hmm. But you know, I would tell anyone pick it up for ten dollars if you yeah. see it. But um, yeah, so. This has been sort of an ongoing problem, and you know, certainly uh, having the head of the company come out and make these sorts of comments is not helping with any of that. Speaking of companies not helping themselves, uh, Microsoft has begun major layoffs, including major cuts at three four industries, three four three industries. Excuse me, they are the makers of the most recent Halo games. But not the show. They weren't responsible for Master Chief's butt. (laughs) (laughs) OJ would tell you to tip them for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I'm like, are are we worried about no more Master Chief butt? (laughs) No, I I think this is entirely separate from the Master Chief butt incident. (laughs) Um, But they are the makers of Halo Infinite, which came out last year and has had a, a fairly rocky launch obviously it got delayed originally it was supposed to be at the launch of the xbox series s and x it got delayed back uh, over a full year from that um and then even after it came out it came out the single player is quite good the multiplayer is quite good but it's also extremely underbaked there's not nearly enough content in it um, which really hurt the game and has hurt its long-term chances because the online component, the multiplayer, they actually release for free. Anybody can play that. Um, and so, you know, they have released a statement, 343 Industries released a statement where they said, hey, we are still going to continue to work on Halo. We're still the ones in charge. Some people have thought this would maybe long-term the plan was that Microsoft was going to farm it out to another studio and, close down the 343 entirely. But at least right now, they're not saying that. Um, But, you know, this is still, this is a bad situation. People losing jobs. Uh, Microsoft is doing major cuts across the entire company. Uh, They did some uh, job cuts when it came to uh, Bethesda as well. Those were more minor is my understanding. Um, But certainly there's a lot of people who work for, Xbox and their games division who don't work there anymore. And it seems like there may be additional cuts before the year is done. So um, not a good thing when Xbox is currently struggling for games to be cutting your staffs, it seems like, but you know, who am I? I don't run a billion dollar corporation. Uh, speaking of people who run billion dollar corporations, what the Washington post has also laid off most of their launcher games team. So, Washington Post uh, had been the most high-profile, biggest 
traditional journalism outlet um, to launch an entire team based around covering video games. And they have done some really good journalism, really top-notch interviews and everything, some investigative reporting into, you know, certainly like abuse issues and allegations in the game industry. Um, And they have now laid off pretty much all of that team. I I know at least one or two people got reassigned, and uh, Gene Park, who's one of the more famous writers there, uh, did get reassigned, I believe, to the features team uh, or the entertainment team. And so he'll continue, but most of those people got laid off. Um, apparently there was a, a uh, one of the people asked, why did this happen? And uh, a manage, a person in management told them, oh, no, you guys were doing great. Uh, we were just ordered to fire people. So this mm. is not a reflection on the quality of work you were doing. Mm. Yikes. Uh, so... Um, particularly the tech industry has gone a little, uh, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but apparently the tech industry has gone a little wild in the last couple of weeks with major layoffs, tens of thousands of layoffs across companies like Microsoft and Google and, uh, and Amazon, all these companies staffed up during the pandemic and apparently now are trying to cut some of that, but, the argument is, do they need to cut those people or are they cutting them because everyone else is cutting them and so they don't look bad, right? Mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't look like a failing company if they fire people right now because their biggest competitors are also firing people, mm-hmm. um, which is just a gross... I say, I think you'd look like the most successful company if you don't have to fire your people, <laughs> but that's just me. So, so far, the major tech companies, Apple has been the one holding out on firing people, uh, but Apple also staffed up considerably less than those companies did during the pandemic. So you can take that how you want. Apple is smarter than those companies. Apple uh, was smarter in hiring. Apple is being more uh, benevolent at the moment. And the other thing I'll add is that Apple CEO Tim Cook took a $50 million pay cut. I was going to say, I thought I saw something about one of those companies having a CEO take some massive pay cut and hopefully ordered to not have to do that. So, right. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, not that any company is moral necessarily, but, <laughs> but there's bad and then there's bad. <laughs> there and then there's Activision blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely gradations, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see some good news for a big company. Uh, last of us saw a 22% audience growth between episode one and episode two. It's the largest weekly growth in HBO history from one episode to the next. It is so good, though. And then it is so good. Is it? They also it so just today announced that they have renewed it for a second season. Mm-hmm. And I will back up what OJ is saying. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. Yeah. Those first two episodes are really, really good and better than you think they should mm-hmm. be. It, it's the best video game adaptation that has ever happened. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so on YouTube, <laughs> they actually put out the um, the opening scene to the first episode. Mm-hmm. And like, if you just go and watch that opening scene and think this is a video game movie mm-hmm. or TV show, yeah. um, it's just kind of astonishing because usually those are just so wrong in tone and everything. And that is a kind of frightening scene to watch. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's definitely got the right tone to it and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those first two episodes, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Obviously doing great ratings-wise. Um, I did. I, was, I saw yesterday they were like, yep, we'll keep making it as long as people keep watching. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. I was like, how long before it gets renewed for season two? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have HBO. I'm not really a Last of Us fan. Not that I think it's bad. Mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten into it. But... Everything I've seen has just mm-hmm. been so much hype for it. So I'm like, I, mm-hmm. w- I want it to do well. I'm glad it's doing well. I'll say that they've made really smart choices in adapting it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are things that aren't exactly the same as they were in mm-hmm. the game, but it always feels like they made the smart choice in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, the opening is more extended, more expanded. Yeah. Um, but it serves really well to set up those characters much better than mm-hmm. even the game did originally. Yeah, because like in in the game, it like I thought that that beginning was perfection, right? And then they made it better with this show, right? Um, uh, and like oh, just fan, just absolutely fantastic. And like so, they changed. Uh, some people were complaining because they changed the mechanic from the games that isn't in the TV show. Um, but then they added a different mechanic in the show to kind of add part of the that from that. Uh, and then after each episode, they have um, a little bit of behind the scene behind the scenes stuff. Uh, and then they explain like, "Hey, this is why we did this because like, um, I mean, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but like in the game, there's like puffs of like spores yeah. uh, in certain areas, and then like you need a mask or something. And they said that doesn't really play well in in TV. Yeah. But we added this other mechanic in here where there's there's fields underground of this fungus. So if you if you hit something over here, it can tell people. It can tell the other uh, people that are infected way over there, mm-hmm. right? So you accidentally step on something over here, and people from half a mile away are running towards you. Okay. Right? Um, so they said that that adds a little bit of the drama that the spores had in the game that doesn't play out well in TV. Yeah. Um, and it's, oh, it's, it's so good. So, like, I'm sitting there waiting for it to show up, like, refreshing <laughs> the app um, when it comes out. It's it's, it's I, Sunday nights the new yeah. episodes come out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you had said, oh, it's the, the best adaptation. <laughs> and I haven't watched it. I'm sure it is <laughs> is good. And so, but I saw on, on Twitter, and it made me laugh. And I shared this <laughs> with Justin, but it was this tweet that said, The Last of Us is the first good the first good filmed video game adaptations, end quote. That's cheating. The game is already a pretty grounded and character-focused zombie apocalypse drama. <laughs> Call me when they do a banger adaptation of Katamari Damashi, also starring Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw that, I and I was like, that. I think there's, like, a point mm-hmm. to what they're saying. It is yeah. a very, like, mm-hmm. cinematic game, but mm-hmm. um, it's great to hear that it, it is doing so well. Mm-hmm. But I think in fairness to them at the same time, right, there have been other games that seem like mm. very obvious choices to adapt into mm. films, and they messed them up. Yeah. Like, they messed up the Prince of Persia film. They messed up the Uncharted movie, mm-hmm. which was, you know, the Uncharted movie is just Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how are you going to mess that up? And, you know, mm-hmm. casting Mark Wahlberg was the first misstep. <laughs> yeah. But, like, and I even think that movie's okay. I don't think it's quite a disaster, but it's still not... It didn't capture uh, the feeling, you know, the essence of Uncharted in the same way that this really does. This, mm-hmm. you know, 
if somebody didn't want to play the game because they're not into video games, I would tell them, just watch this. You're going to get mm-hmm. most of the same experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you're missing a little the tension of trying to sneak through mm-hmm. an area yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, something I saw somebody post, um, they said, you know, this is not an accurate uh, adaptation at all because Joe walked into a room and didn't die 20 times. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. That's good. And also, you're not on the lookout for bricks and bottles everywhere. Right. <laughs> you're not picking up every yeah. brick you see. <laughs> I will say, I feel like them deciding to make it a television show instead of a movie is a good mm-hmm. a good choice. I, yeah. you know, always I'm kind of like when they talk about a video game being turned into a movie, I think Sonic, except, you know, as an exception, mm-hmm. it, it's always like you've got this like 20 to 30 hour game that you're going to try mm-hmm. to turn into this two hour film. Yeah. I'm just like, why? And, you know, I know the one I'm concerned about, you know, I mentioned it earlier, you know, they've always talked about trying to make like this Yakuza film. And I'm like, mm-hmm. please do not do yeah. that. Like, I understand there's so much like side stuff, but like there's already like 20 hours of cutscenes in those games right. to begin with. <laughs> right. yeah. To try to cut that into two hours, you're going to just butcher this thing. Like if you want to make it into a TV show where you can get into like the depth and the nuance of these characters, which... I think The Last of Us deserves with how popular of a franchise mm-hmm. it is. Um, but yeah, I think that, first and foremost, is the best decision mm-hmm. they could have made. Yeah, and I think I think there are things that you can adapt that way because they're not so driven by the story, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Last of Us is so driven by its story to, to try mm-hmm. to condense that into two hours, you would lose so much mm-hmm. of the development and why certain things matter when they happen later in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, versus, say, Prince of Persia, you're really adapting the aesthetic and mm-hmm, the style mm-hmm. of it. You can do that in a two-hour movie. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like you could. Or Resident Evil, even, right? Sure. Like, you mm-hmm. can adapt that down into a two-hour movie. Again, I don't think they've done it well, but you could, conceivably. And I guess that's where, with with, you're not necessarily telling the story of this game, but like with mm-hmm. Sonic, you know, they're not telling the story mm-hmm. of Sonic one or right. Sonic adventure. It's, yeah, you're telling the story of these characters. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. these characters that we know people like, and here's their mm-hmm. own sort of fun thing. And so, right. you know, maybe if they were to do that with, you know, the Yakuza series with Kiryu and Majima and stuff like that, they could do it. But I think, yeah, again, choosing a television show for something like this, I think that's a great point, Justin, mm-hmm. and thinking about the narrative depth of this game really mm-hmm. requires like a multi hour Mm-hmm. thing that you know week after week after week we're going to build on mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that's why video games have probably been more successful when adapted into um into cartoons or anime mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because in that format they're generally expected to be a more long form format mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know you can do 40 saturday morning episodes of you know sonic the hedgehog and yeah. tell some sonic mm-hmm. story and that's i was kind of thinking that too sonic like, you know i think Sonic, the Sonic movies work because they already have had all these years of cartoons to let everybody, you know, a lot of people are already familiar with these characters from the cartoons. They know who their favorite is. They know the backstories, all of that. And I love Sonic games. Not many of them have a very deep story. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's not a story to adapt with Sonic. Yeah. I mean... I mean, Robotnik you can, you can, is bad. Mm-hmm. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, you, you can adapt specific stories, but it also, it, it's not like there's a story you mm-hmm. have to adapt. 
Mm-hmm. That's what you, we've talked about with the Mario movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to make a movie of Super Mario Brothers. There's no Mario story. Right. Yeah. The princess mm-hmm. gets kidnapped. It looks like they're not even doing that in the movie. <laughs> no, Luigi gets kidnapped now. <laughs> I think what the most depth to a Mario game narrative-wise is maybe mm-hmm. Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. thinking about yeah. like, but but, mm-hmm. it, but even then, I mean, yeah. there's, I, that's not why people are playing that mm-hmm. game, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, unless you're going to adapt like Mario RPG. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, yeah, no, uh, it's very, it's very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anyone who likes video games or likes zombie stuff. It's not actual zombies, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to check it out, it's definitely worth the time. And I will add that the second episode had something that wasn't in the game that just absolutely horrified me. Like it, it's you can tell that this is a horrifying world that they're living in because of, but but and and still I want to watch it even though it it just absolutely like horrified me. One thing I'm interested in is they have moved away from the um, the interactions with other humans mm-hmm. in the second episode particularly. Yep. And I, I kind of wonder, is is that going to be a continuing theme? Um, or are they going to, like, include that in the later episodes? Because that becomes a pretty big plot point. And, um, and you know, they tease kind of in the first episode, there's things worse mm-hmm. out there than yep. they infect it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Yeah. So I know uh, in the previews, there's a main character um, that being played by Nick Off- Offerman. Is that his name? Yeah. Nick yeah, Offerman. Nick Offerman. Um, and Parks then, and Rec. Yeah. And then there's another character that in the game is dead, but there it's, it's has been casted. Um, and so I think that might be a big change is that this other character that was dead might be alive in it too. Right. Um and then so I, th- I think they'll, they'll probably go back and forth between just how horrifying the the infected are and then how horrifying the other people are. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of Naughty Dog, uh, they say they have moved on. They're, quote, moved on mm-hmm. from the Uncharted franchise and said that they might move on from The Last of Us without doing a part three. Though they were a little less committed to that say, statement. We'll see if uh-huh. that sticks now that I'm sure the show is going to mm-hmm. make them a bunch of money. And mm-hmm. Are you really moving on from that? Yeah. <laughs> and I am sure that uh, Sony right now is saying, no, yeah. <laughs> we have a franchise. We yeah. can do multiple seasons of the show. We want another game. I mm-hmm. did see that the sales of the recent remake they did of The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part 1, mm-hmm. um, spiked this last week. Oh yeah. In response to the film. People see the show and Mm want to play the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we have talked about that before that, that has happened with other shows and movies. Um, You know, game sales increase along with that. And that's why Sony has went kind of hog wild of, we're going to adapt everything that we own Mm -hmm. because this is a good way to market stuff. The Witcher that happened Mm -hmm. with, that was the, uh, title that they saw a huge spike in sales after the Netflix show came on. Uh, I know that's not Sony, but a, mm-hmm. another video game publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Fitness Boxing 2. I just thought this was kind of funny. On Switch, is getting three new DLC packs. So they're getting one that's EDM, electronic dance music, rock, and nature stages. <laughs> 
which is not nature music. These are nature stages in order to box in while listening to your electronic dance music. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is fitness boxing too, the weirdest franchise that Nintendo currently has. I do love that Nintendo continues to make these sorts of just bizarre franchises every once in a while where they just come out with something and you're like, what? Nintendo? <laughs> I get you putting out another Kirby game, but a, a fitness boxing game? <laughs> fitness boxing 2, and it gets three DLCs. <laughs> like, they're really, they're really going for it on this game. <laughs> well, you know, it kind of makes you think they must have pretty decent sales for that game. They must. <laughs> to, like, even bother following through. Even this was in the work beforehand. To even do one DLC, let alone three. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's just so... I don't Random. think that Mario Party game got anything else. <laughs> <laughs> My friends are still upset about that. Yeah. But, you know, like, I, I think this is probably, I would be interested to see the sales for this, because um, I think this game was only released digitally. I don't know if it even came out in, you know, in a physical version. But, like, regardless if it did, it'd be interesting to see the sales for it, because this seems like the sort of game that comes out and silently becomes a hit. And, like, we're just so out of that loop that we don't know. I feel like it's the um, um, the Just Dance games mm-hmm. where, you know, you just have no idea that those games are still selling every single year. <laughs> and, you know, it was, what, a couple of years ago they were still putting out a Wii version of Just Dance every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And you're like, who is buying this? And then I had a student one time who brought in. She had a copy of Just Dance from, like, you know, three or four years ago. And so, like, she was still buying it because she had a Wii. She wasn't mm-hmm. a big video game player, but she liked, you know, the Wii and mm-hmm. um, and was still buying Just Dance games and stuff for it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this this is a market, and I'm just out of the loop. I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, like, it does make sense that, yeah, so many people buy them, but I always just find that to be, like, I don't know, such a heartwarming thing that, like, there is this community mm-hmm. for, yeah. or there there is this, like, range of people who want to like play games if you make the games that they want to play mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be tailored to this very specific community that we think of as being gamers but mm-hmm. um no there's like a lot of people who will mm-hmm. embrace these this medium mm-hmm. if we make games that and i will say i think the wii was one of the best systems yeah. for mm-hmm. that yeah right yeah. and the popularity of the ju- of just mm-hmm. dance or we fit and all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff absolutely yeah, like that was just so good for people who don't consider themselves mm-hmm. gamers. Like, neither of my parents, my mom makes us mute the TV when we're playing video games <laughs> in the room because she gets sick of the music. But both of my parents. Even Sonic games with their fantastic <laughs> music? I didn't say I agreed with her, I said she makes us. But, you know, even then, my parents, when the Wii first came out and we were, and, you know, you had Wii Sports and all that, and they were like, we should turn on the Wii tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we sort of think of this, I think still there's a little bit uh, of apprehension in the game community about this because there's this feeling, right, that, like, this is weird, this is odd, this is abnormal. And then when you compare it to any other for any other medium, you're like, well, no, this isn't that weird. There are very niche television shows mm-hmm. that have a very diehard fan base that, like, you just don't 
ever pay any attention to. There's the, that ghost hunter show that's been on for like 20 years now. And you're like, people are really into this ghost hunter show. And you, you, you know how many like, seasons ancient aliens had? That's, right. that's the show yeah. I was thinking of. I stayed with some friends this summer and yeah, they were watching. I was like, Hey, you know what? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got this show that y'all really enjoy. And you know, it's, I think that's, we don't really look on that as weird when it comes to television or when it comes to literature or when it comes to music, like there can be this die hard, small fan base that's listening to this genre that nobody else is really into. And I think we're at a point and it shows a maturity of video games that today video games have that. And there's all these little sort of pockets where you're like that exists. People are into that. And you realize like, oh yeah, that, you know, they've been making a hundred thousand a day off that game mm-hmm. over the past <laughs> 10 years. And you're like, that's insane. <laughs> Who's playing that? Who's putting money into that? As long well, as no one's putting a hundred thousand <laughs> total into a single game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what gay kids are paying for, for, for just dance. Cause at rainbow cafe, they threatened me to buy a, make me buy a subscription to it. Uh, to just dance, so they could get all the songs. You can get a subscription to Just Dance. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So Just Dance is it's the video game that's making all these kids violent. It is. <laughs> it is. It's not God of War. It's not Mortal Kombat. It's Just Dance. <laughs> that is exactly it. Yes. Just Dance is a violent, violent video game. Yeah. Fox News is listening to this podcast. <laughs> this will be on tonight. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that. That's really cool. Like, I mean. Again, you don't think of it, but you have this sort of, um, you know, community center that would definitely, like, cater to that audience, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that audience that wants to play something that they can all play together really simply and Mm -hmm. easy, and they don't have to master anything because it's really about having fun and moving around and Mm -hmm. looking goofy while you're doing it. And, yeah, of course, that that makes sense. That would Mm -hmm. appeal to that audience. Um, and that's actually good. That's a, a very good thing. It yeah. means it's healthy Wonderful. for games yeah. and it's healthy for, you know, also healthy for the kids. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Uh, AEW fight forever. It's release is apparently in limbo, um, as they are in a fight with the ERS ESRB, um, who rates video games. So apparently they want a T rating and the ESRB is saying that the game should get an M rating because of the amount mm. of violence and blood in the game, which, you know, you don't normally think of wrestling games as being particularly <laughs> graphic cause it's wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but apparently there is some graphic material that is making the ESRB push towards an M rating. So that is the reason uh, apparently we have not gotten a release date for that game yet, which um, at one point was rumored to come out last fall. So we'll <laughs> see. Um, big news. I mentioned this a little earlier uh, about how games hold up. GoldenEye 007 released today on the Switch uh, via the expansion pass online and Xbox. Um, so on Xbox, if you have Game Pass or if you own the uh, the Rare collection that they put out a few years ago, you get this free as a DLC for that. So if you want to play GoldenEye 007, you can now do so. If you want to play GoldenEye 007. <laughs> it's fine outside of the control level, I feel like. 
Have you have you played it recently? Yeah, so it we, wasn't on your. It wasn't on my list for last year, but <laughs> okay. I played it the year before. I think. I don't think we played Twine last year either, but uh, the world is not enough, mm. which is the other N sixty four James Bond game. But so I played it for the first time. I guess it would have been in twenty twenty one, and there's a couple of levels in it that are not good. I will say it one hundred percent. The control level towards the end of the game not good. The train level, my friends love it. I can't stand it, but um, I think it's 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 pretty fine. Yeah, I, I wonder how it'll hold up and how people will react to it because that was a uh, a hugely influential game at the time. Oh yeah, and it's a game that I still remember going over to my friend's house on a Saturday night, us ordering mm-hmm. pizza and just setting and playing that for mm-hmm. hours against mm-hmm. one another. Um, and so, you know, just hugely influential at the time. But does it hold up? And mm-hmm. it was a good game at the time, mm-hmm. and. You know, I don't know. I haven't played through it recently, so I don't know how it, it will feel. I used to love it at the time. I, w- I will wonder. I think what's really going to be a make or break for it will be whether or not the multiplayer holds up for mm-hmm. people. Right. I think the single player, I'm sure people maybe remember the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, at least within speedrunning, there's like the classic Streets 112. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so like there's there it has like some like niche, I think contemporary like familiarity for some people but um you know i think it's going to be the multiplayer that's what people have nostalgia mm-hmm. for and if that ends right. up falling flat and i i've never actually played the multiplayer for golden i've only ever played the single player campaign and so it'll be interesting if you know if people are comparing it to call of duty or mm-hmm. halo online how how people mm-hmm. end up feeling about it yeah i know i think last night they did you know, another like minute trailer for the online multiplayer and everyone in the comments there was so hyped. They're like, this is what I'm waiting for. <laughs> so it has, mm-hmm. it has online multiplayer just on the switch version. The Xbox version does not have online multiplayer. You can only play it locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to know this is a port of the original game with no updates. Mm-hmm. So they have not enhanced the graphics or anything with the game. So even on that, they've never pretended that it wasn't a port. Yeah, <laughs> crisis score. <laughs> well, but on the Xbox, several years ago on the Xbox 360, they were doing an updated port that has leaked. It has updated graphics and updated resolution and everything, and that has leaked. You can actually go find that, download it, and play it via an emulator, and so. A lot of people thought that's what they were releasing. Mm-hmm. It's not. They were releasing mm-hmm. just an emulator playing mm-hmm. the N64 ROM uh, on the Xbox. Uh, I think there might be some adjustments. Right. The Switch one, the graphics are very, I assume, very N64. I assume for the Switch, it's part of the expansion pass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to play it. I, I love that game at the time. Um I don't know if I'll have anybody to play it multiplayer with anytime <laughs> soon. I would love to play it multiplayer with somebody mm-hmm. because, yeah, that that's what really made that game, yeah. you know, so famous. And again, I, I always miss local multiplayer games. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish, like, if they have, if, if it has the same experience as local multiplayer original, it's going to be fantastic for a lot of people. Well, that's, uh, that's why we have playing for pets. Yeah. Let people have a chance to do local multiplayer. 
Um, Xbox hosted a developer direct. Um, they gave updates on Minecraft Legends, Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, The Elder Scrolls Online, their new uh, expansion Shadow Over Morrowind, and Redfall. I don't know if any of you got to watch any of this. Check I didn't get a chance, no. Um, it was pretty good. Forza Motorsport looks really pretty. Those cars look real shiny. Um, so that looks cool. Uh, Minecraft Legends, I, I got to say, I didn't know a whole lot about. Um, this is sort of a four-on-four real-time strategy game set in the Minecraft world where you're building bases and then going and trying to attack each other's bases. Um, and it looked neat. I don't know if it's if it will get me, but I can imagine this being very popular with Minecraft fans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Minecraft. Minecraft is is a really cool game, mm-hmm. but I don't know if this will get me into it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could see there being an audience for it. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, we already talked about. That was their surprise release. Uh, Redfall is their... Uh, this is from Arcane Studios, so who does the Dishonored games. Uh, this is a... Uh, so it's an open world. You're on an island that's overrun with vampires in this like small sort of like new England town. And you are going around trying to free the town from the vampires. Um, and when they originally showed off this game, it looked very much like a sort of, um, left for dead, uh, four player cooperative game. And it does have four player cooperation in it. So you can't play the game that way but it looks much more like a Far Cry game now. Um, so it's much more about here's this base that you have to infiltrate. Here's the, uh, in the in the video, they showed off a, um, a lighthouse and you have to like get into the lighthouse and kill the vampires and take control of the lighthouse and everything. And then it comes, you know, is onto the good side and the vampires can't go there anymore. Hmm. Um, so... It looks much more like that. I'll say I'm much more interested in it now that it looks this way than mm-hmm. I was when it looked like another Left for Dead clone. Mm-hmm. Not that that couldn't be fun, but yeah, there's been several of those. That's it. When you were talking about it, I was like, oh, this is the one. Yeah, it got announced at like a Game Awards or a E3 a few years back, and it looked like a, a Left for Dead. But yeah, that is a very different game experience between Left for Dead and Far Cry. And so I'll be interested to see what the cooperative looks like and what it what you if it does look more like a far cry whereas like the left for dead the cooperative seems very clear how that would work so i'll be interested to see how yeah it's a cool looking it's a cool looking game i mean you know it looks interesting who knows Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'll say i'm more interested in both it and minecraft legends after this Mm -hmm. direct than i was before when i had almost no interest in either of these games um, and of course, Hi-Fi Rush, really cool mm-hmm. to come out of it. Um, let's see, People Making Games, which is a YouTube channel, or uh, People Make Games, excuse me, is a popular YouTube channel. They, we've talked about them on here before. They do these sort of investigative reports or try to. They have a new video out on diversity issues at Valve. Valve, obviously, the makers of the Half-Life games and Left 4 Dead we were just talking about but also who runs Steam. Uh, they 
People in this video claim that there is a stack ranking system where employees evaluate one another to determine bonuses and that that system um, tends to punish people who work on projects that might not be valued by others within the company. So part of the argument that they're making is that sometimes more diverse employees are are interested in areas that the majority are not. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they get ranked lower and they get fewer bonuses. And, you know, I suppose even at the end of the day, um, might be looked at more closely to be dismissed or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because um, you can't directly fire somebody um, for, like, their race or their gender, but you can make them want to leave. And well, that's that's another. this is another mechanism to do that. Like, it just feels so icky mm -hmm. to have your employees evaluate each other to determine bonuses. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to wonder if that ultimately becomes like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, you've yeah. worked on this project that's less valued, so we're going to put you on another project that's mm -hmm. less valued, right. and you just end up getting mm -hmm. stuck in this yeah. like mm -hmm. same spot forever with you know, again, I mean, I'm, there's other other significant issues with it, but no, sure. like that's the you know one of the first thing that comes to mind is like, yeah. how do you get out of mm -hmm. these less valued projects if mm -hmm. that's all you've only if that's the only opportunity you've ever been given? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Because then that drives, like OJ said, you know, mm -hmm. it, you, yeah. they aren't you aren't firing them, but you're making them want to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there there have been stories out about why Valve is not making new games. So if you look at Valve, I mean, you know, obviously the one that everybody points to is there's no Half-Life 3, but there's also no Portal 3. There's no Left 4 Dead 3. Mm -hmm. Like, they seem to have, in large part, abandoned making new games. Um, and there's been some discussion about why that is, and my understanding is that this DAC ranking system plays into that in that... Um, part of your bonus and part of all this is tied into how much money you make mm -hmm. for the company. Like what are you doing that makes money and that there are ways say with steam and other projects to produce more money for the company mm -hmm. than by making a game. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that the employees are basically allowed to go work on the projects that they're most interested in. And nobody's interested in working in it on a game because that's going to potentially get you the smaller bonus. Mm -hmm than working on something that's more direct sales related. Um, so it sounds like there's some cultural problems there, right? And when I say cultural problem, I mean corporate culture. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's sad to hear about Valve because, you know, I think we all use them to one degree or another for Steam yeah. and other things. Okay. And, you know, it's a fantastic product and obviously a long legacy of fantastic games they make as well. Um, so hopefully, much like other companies we've talked about, hopefully they'll make some changes. Um, that does it for news. So that brings us to our big question for the week. And given we've had snow this past week, <laughs> I thought it felt appropriate to ask, what is your favorite snow level or area in a game? So what is the favorite snow level or area that you have played in a game that really you just think about and puts you in a maybe a good mood or maybe a terrified mood <laughs> on the game. Um, and Alicia, why don't you start? Uh, so, I mean, part of me wants to say, like, some of the Pokemon 
snow uh, the ice type gyms and all that but on the other hand some of those just have the worst puzzles (laughs) (laughs) but i think there will always be a special place in my heart for the icicle inn area in final fantasy 7 both because of the snowboarding mini game and because i think you have one of my personal favorite moments in the game where elena who is one of the who is the new one of the turks chases you up there she thinks that you're responsible for her boss dying. And so she goes to punch Cloud in the face. And you can choose. If you let her punch you, then you get knocked out and wake up a little bit later in one of the houses. Or if you dodge the punch, she goes rolling down the entire mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Which both options just end up being absolutely hilarious. And the fact that, you know, the Turks are probably some of my favorite characters in anything ever. <laughs> so, Ice in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that choice being in there. But, yeah, yep. Final Fantasy VII was, was a lot of fun for those little choices. Square Enix used to do that, uh, I guess just Square at the time, um, used to do that a lot with their games. Just have fun little choices that didn't really matter, but gave yeah. you like just a fun memory that might be slightly different than somebody else playing through. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it's not even you know. There's a lot of choices in particularly disc one of Final Fantasy VII where you, when you're when you're playing it now, you're more conscious of like, am I building affection points with Aerith or with Tifa to figure out who I get the date with, mm-hmm. but. Also, just those little moments like that, where it's like, this has no bearing on literally anything else in the game. But it's just fun. Uh, All right, Mario. Yeah, I think, um, so there are two. The first one I would say would be uh, Donkey Kong Country 3, K3. Um, The levels don't necessarily stick out to me, but I think the boss fight against Bleak is a snowball fight. And I just, the first time playing that, it's... I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's frustrating, but I think it's just such a cool idea where you've got this like snowman popping up and you've got to hit him with a number of snowballs. Um, and then the other one more personally would be uh, cool, cool mountain in super Mario 64. Um, my friends and I do a lot of 16 star speed runs for super Mario 64. And there's two stars you do in cool, cool mountain. And they're two of my favorites to do. So that one has some appreciation as well. Cool, cool mountains, the one with the penguins. The penguin race, yeah. Yeah, so you can pick up the baby penguin and throw him off the cliff. <laughs> you, can, you could choose to do that if you want. <laughs> I, I, I think everyone does that at least once. <laughs> uh, OJ. Well, I was going to actually say cool, cool mountain because you can throw the penguin off. <laughs> but no, I, I I hate that level, actually, because the, the slide course down, mm. I'm not good at it, mm. and I can never get all the stars, and it just upsets me. Um <laughs> But I, and I was trying to think of this, and then so in, in Final Fantasy uh, six, um, when you go into the mountains, uh, and you're you're trying to get uh, the the yeti there, um, and he's you know popping out of different holes in the different area, and then you get him, and he he's one of my favorite characters. I mean, I love every character in the game, but. Uh, the reason I love him is that he can pick up other characters and throw them at the enemy, and I think that's just a fantastic. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here with yours of throwing things. <laughs> OJ really likes play- to throw other characters. Have I you do. been playing too much Just Dance? 
<laughs> yes. But also it's made me violent. Yeah. Um but really like that the area itself isn't necessarily that remarkable, but just having that character there is I think really, really fantastic. Um and it's a nice area. And then that 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 area also is where the frozen Esper was that you that you meet. So it's a really it's a really it's a really good part of the game, I think. I forget. Is he optional? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. You don't uh-huh. have to get him, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, I sometimes forget which characters are optional, and some of them are optional mm-hmm. in the first half of the game, and some of them are mm-hmm. optional in the second half. Yeah. You have to refine them. Yeah, and then um, most of them actually, actually in the second half, you just don't, you only need to get three. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's just a, it's a really nice area with a nice character. Yeah. Um, well, I, I certainly like throwing the penguin. <laughs> um, I have a kind of a, a cheat answer here, and that I'll say all of SSX tricky. I think that's fair. Um, I love that game, and I love it more than I love any other SSX game. It was like the peak of that franchise, and they've never gone back to it. And just the fact that when you went into your trick state and they start playing tricky and like that's blaring out the TV speakers while you're like jumping off a cliff on a snowboard is just fantastic. And why they have never gone back and just do a remaster of that game. That's all I really want from uh, EA. Um, But if I have to pick a, an actual like level or section of a game, uh, I was thinking about the original halo. So there's a moment in the original halo where you go into a mountain and you go through underground and everything and, through the base and then you come out and you're into a snowy area for the first time. And I just remember that being kind of a shock when I first did it, like, whoa, like we've been in these like sort of tropical paradise areas. And now all of a sudden we're in this snowy area. And then it's just like that whole area just escalates and like you get one of the giant tanks and you're going around shooting stuff. And it's just a fantastic part of that game. Uh, and it may actually be the climax of that first game to me, even over the actual ending of it. Um, so I, I just remember having a great experience the first time I got to that area. Um, all right. Well, that does it for us for this week for the show. Um, if you have not already, you should listen to the Game of the Year podcast. In addition to those, we also have some personal Game of the Year lists, including uh, Mario, our guest this week, he, he put together a list of his 50 favorite N64 games he played last year, <laughs> which first off, he played 50 games at all of any time <laughs> is, is quite an accomplishment, but 50 N64 games. Um, and some of those I was certainly familiar with, but some of them were games I was not at all familiar with. So it was cool reading through. So how many N64 games are there total? 298, I okay. believe. So yeah. Why um, would they not make just two more? Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that upsets me. 298 in North America. There's a lot more Japanese. Only. Why would they not bring over just two more? <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. So last year I do an N64 mania with some friends and um most of those were played with with them and some good ones and some <laughs> Monster Truck Madness 64. <laughs> Genuinely one of the worst experiences of my entire life. 
Uh, on a scale of zero to Sonic 06. Uh, I would play Sonic 06 before I would play Monster Truck 64 again. <laughs> well, there you, there you heard it. I guess OJ has to play that too now. <laughs> I'm sure it's fun. We played it on the hardest difficulty for some mm. reason, and they decided the way to make it difficult is just to, like, turn all of the lights off so you can't see anything <laughs> as you're driving through this course. And that does make it more so, difficult, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, that sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a fun system to go back to because there's a lot of – not even like hidden gems, but just interesting games. I know like you had Buck Bumble on there and I'm a big Buck Bumble fan. It's just such a bizarre game. And it's the sort of game that now we get maybe from an indie studio, but mm, we don't get a AAA sure. publisher making those sorts of games anymore. I um, believe that's also mm-hmm. Ubisoft is Buck Bumble. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and you're absolutely right. It's, if it's not the best theme song to a video game ever, <laughs> it is certainly in that conversation of the five yeah. or six. Um, and but before we quit, real quickly, I, w- I wanted to say I so I looked it up, and so Urkel has made his own strain of pot that he's selling, and it's called Purple Urkel. Excellent. Yeah. That there we go. Yeah. Good for Jalil White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Oh uh, my gosh. I mean. You think about you think about <laughs> actors getting stereotyped, mm-hmm. and then think about getting stereotyped when you're like what eleven, twelve years yeah. old, yeah. as like the nerdy kid. That that mm-hmm. must have been just, pretty rough on him. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking now of all the Sonic says PSAs, <laughs> <laughs> and now we have Urkel with it. We have Julia White with his own strain of pot. Yeah. <laughs> hey, tells you want to get <laughs> you want to get lit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know Big does. Big always wants to. <laughs> Big always looks like he's lit. That's the real reason Big came back now because he he's going to get his own strain. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, that does it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs> <laughs>